Hello and welcome back. Today at Calix Cafe, we're talking IDMP with Karen Harry. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello and welcome back at Calix Cafe. Today joining me is Karen Harry, who's a director of regulatory implementation at Calix. Hi Karen, how are you today? Hi Sylvan, I'm fine, thank you. Do you have a drink with you or do you want me to take your drink order? I've got my cup of tea, very British. So yes, cup of tea with me now. Great. Um, so how long have you been at Calix for, Karen? Uh, I've been at Calix for nearly six years now. I joined in September 2015. It's gone very quickly. Great. Um, and what got you in the industry in the first place? Oh my gosh. So um, many years ago, um, I had a summer job at Glaxo. Um, and that was really as a consequence of my dad. He worked there and so he got me a summer job. Um, and from that, that then evolved um, for the next 25 years working formerly at Glaxo, Glaxo Welcome and then Glaxo SmithKline um, in the, the Reg Ops department. Oh, so interesting, lovely story to hear about uh, your dad getting you your, your first job. And it sounds like you got into regulatory by accident. Um, uh, how do you build a career um, from a temp job in, in regulatory to uh, being uh, more than 25 years in the job? Yeah, so um, as I said, I joined um, just for six weeks in the summer. Um, and then when I finished university, they invited me back for a, a six month contract, I think at the time, and that just evolved over the, into a full time job. So I've been involved with Reg Ops, regulatory affairs um, since way back 1988, 1989. So many years um, have I spent um, in, the, in the industry way back, it was all around um, you know, filing hard copies, moving on excitedly to, to microfilm, which seemed cutting edge at the time. And then, you know, increasingly over time, becoming more and more computerized and more reliant on regulatory systems. Um, and I became involved um, in particular with um, the Calix RIM um, solution um, at GSK. I was the business system owner, so I've, you know, had experience with implementation, user training, um, change management, um, just getting people engaged with the, with the, with using the system. And um, after, as I said, many years at GSK, I thought it was time for a move. And I'd, I'd worked previously um, with Joe English and many of the others in the RIM team and attending um, conferences where they, that which had been run um, by Calix, so it was just great to, to join them and um, yeah, I've, I've had a really great time ever since working um, working with the, the regulatory information management team here. Interesting, sounds like a very uh, exciting career path and uh, you seem to have seen a lot of evolution over time. Um, so I've seen your name coming up a lot recently about IDMP. 
Uh, I don't know anything about this topic myself and I'm, I'm not sure about our audience if they know about it. Uh, would you be able to explain to us what it stands for and why IDMP? Yeah, absolutely. So IDMP stands for Identification of Medicinal Products. Um, it's based on global, five global ISO standards um, and it's being implemented or in the process of being implemented in the EU, but potentially it will be um, a global um, requirement um, over time. So I think as, the, as it's adopted more in the EU um, and it's successfully rolled out, we'll see more of a global adoption um, over time. Okay, and is it something new? So IDMP, um, it's, it's been around or there's been talk of it since maybe 2014, maybe even before then as a, as a regulation, as a requirement, but it hasn't been um, implemented in, in full as such as, as yet. Um, so really, uh, just to give you a bit of background about IDMP, it's really around reporting product information um, to a database, um, an EMEA database, so the European Medicine, Medicine, Medicinal Agency, Medicines Agency rather. Um, it's all around submitting structured data about products that are authorised in the EU. Um, and it's really focusing on patients safety it's a, it's a means where you can um, by by submitting all sorts of types of information about the products about how they're used about um, where they're on where they're marketed um, it's a means of really being able to understand um, impacts to products if there's any sort of patient um, impacts in terms of safety, safety alerting, um, in terms of um, understanding what's on the market um, so that it reduces, um, minimises rather the risk of um, shortages of supply, which is really important. And we've seen that um, just recently with um, with COVID as well, um, the COVID vaccine being available. So it's really going to help with that um, and scenarios like that in the future. And as again, as I said, if there's any issues, any safety issues with products, because the products are going to be defined um, initially, you know, within the EU, there'll be sort of definitions of products um, that will be much easier to, to recognise when um, there's a specific safety issue impacting maybe an active ingredient um, or a specific product and strength and dose form. Uh, it's really, really interesting to hear you uh, like do the, the correlation between IDMP and the, the benefits for everyone, like not having shortage of product. Uh, I didn't realise the impact, um, so yeah, that's uh, very fascinating. Um, so I've done a bit of homework uh, in preparation for uh, for today's interview. Um, I searched IDMP and I saw that you're you're part of a task force on this topic. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so there's a there's a task force. It's the the SPORE task force, which stands for Substances, Products, um, Organisations and Referentials. And they're sort of the, the four um, tenants, I guess, of IDMP. And as part of that task force, it's coordinated run by the EMEA um, and it includes um, 
um, industry, so representatives, representatives from the industry, um, from national competent authorities, so the regulatory health authorities, and also from vendors. Um, so I've been lucky that I've been able to be part of that. I feel privileged to be part of that um, because it provides options and opportunities to provide feedback um, to the EMEA to get to understand, you know, um, requirements from um, uh, the pharmaceutical, the the industry, and to also understand how how the requirements are evolving for for IDMP, so that we can, as vendors, um, provide solutions um, that support um, IDMP and, and the requirements to to submit information um, to the to the data the, the product management services database. That's such a great initiative. I love it when we see like groups across sponsors, across vendors that work together, uh, all are working towards one goal. Um, I, it's, I think it's becoming more and more uh, done, actually. We see that with DTRA as well in decentralized trials. Uh, it's great to see our industry really uh, join forces together like this. Um, so, as part of this group, how many of the sponsors were part of that task force would you say are ready for IDMP? So I think people are preparing for IDMP right now, um, you know, across organised, across um, pharma companies there will be um, enormous significant impacts for IDMP because it's not just relevant to regulatory, it's relevant to many other um, parts of the organisation. So the manufacturing, um, commercial, the the local um, European affiliates, um, the local country offices, um, and also labelling CMC and back to RegOps again. So back to my um, my my sort of home um, and you know from a from a regulatory information management perspective there will be um, impacts for the the regulatory information management team and also for the publishing teams as well so I don't know that every you know people or, or clients um, customers will be a hundred percent ready yet but they will certainly be making those preparations because they'll need to um, because we know now following the um, publication of the implementation guide version 2 um, back in February this year by the EMEA we know that the timelines have started so we will have a period of no less than one year um, for the PMS system to be available so that will be um, available for clients to then start to transition their centrally approved products um, from the current um, database that, that's in use. So today there are requirements to submit product information um, to the EMEA um, and that's in a, in, a, in a system called the Extended User Vigilance. I've just written it down to remember Medicinal Product Dictionary. So XEVMPD to those of us in the know, uh, much easier to say than, than that mouthful. Um, so they, there are, you know, today, as I said, they, they are submitting to XEVMPD and they will need to transition across to, to PMS. Um, so there'll be a lot of work involved there. So if I uh, heard you well, then there's a lot of ramifications, a lot to do and time pressure. So now I understand why there's uh, so much focus on IDMP and I'm pretty sure uh, all the sponsors uh, must be actively working on it. 
Yeah, they, they, they will. I'm sure they absolutely will. Um, you know, so once we talked a little bit there about the system being available, um, so they will then begin the transition of their centrally approved products into the system from XEVMPD. But then again, after a period of not less than a year, um, they will then be required to um, it will be a requirement, it will be compulsory um, to submit the centrally approved products via um, to, to the PMS database. And then they need to start thinking as well about the non-centrally approved products as well. So for centrally approved products, there's a transition period. For those that aren't um, non-centrally approved, then they will have to just um, switch their portfolio from XEVMPD directly to, um, to PMS. And there will be lots of data enrichments along the way, um, lots of data corrections. And again, one of the other significant impacts is really, as I said, from a publishing perspective, um, currently, all the reporting um, for XEVMPD is post-approval for IDMP for the century approved products. Um, that requirement to submit will be at the time the dossier is submitted. So along with the ECTD, um, the, the fire message that will be generated for submission to, to PMS will need to be available and and submitted at the time of the dossier. So again, sort of changing the whole um, significance of, of the of the reporting so that it's at time of submission and not post approval as it is today. So you really need to be an expert in uh, in this area to, to really understand all the ramifications. Uh, it's great to to hear from you like everything that needs to happen and uh, I can really feel that uh, this is uh, something that you're passionate about and that you know a lot about. Um, listen, I really appreciate your time, but I'm conscious of time as well. Um, I always like asking um, our guests to look into their crystal ball. Um, and so what would you like to see uh, in clinical trials or in regulatory uh, in the next 10 years? Gosh, that's a that's a big question. I, I think if we go back to talking a little bit about um, structured data um, and the requirement more and more so for, for submitting structured data rather than the actual the dossier itself, the PDF, the Word document, I think we might see the, the end of the dossier potentially, or at least a much reduced one. So that's my prediction for the future. So prediction, the end of the dossier. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Karen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've learned a lot and I'm sure all our listeners have also learned a lot. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and to all of you, uh, thank you for watching today. And we'll be back soon at Calix Cafe with a new episode. Thank you, Karen, and goodbye. <laughs>